I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, another hour of the Jesse Kelly Show, and I'm so excited about this. Okay, so I should let you know, obviously, we're gearing up to do Medal of Honor Monday. Now, this hour, I am hopefully going to get back to the government shutdown stuff because all these all this haggling is happening, some emails, some COVID vaccine reckoning. America's government cleaning up San Francisco before they worry about you. I'm hopefully going to get to those things, but I got to be honest with you, it's going to be a little bit. Why? Well, everyone knows every Monday at this time, what we normally do, normally we read a Medal of Honor citation. Everyone who's ever earned a Medal of Honor, they are they do a write-up on it called a citation. These are available for Every single person, everyone has access to these for free, multiple different websites. You can sort it by different branch of the military or whatever. It's awesome. This is a tool we should all be using to help guide our children. They need people to look up to, right? And normally at this time, what we do is I take the citation, I read it, and then we'll, if the guy passed on, we play taps or whatnot, and then we move on. Well, tonight, 
there are a couple different things I actually want to do when it comes to this. First, I'm going to give you a bit of background on the human being, or at least the unit, this, this type of unit, who earned this Medal of Honor. This one's from Vietnam. I'm also going to give you some background and some perspective on one of his main support units because they are also in the news, okay? That's a long way of me saying buckle up for some military talk, some history talk, and I think at the end of this thing, hopefully you learn something. Hopefully I learn something, right? We're always learning, but hopefully we both have a renewed appreciation for what people have gone through and are going through on behalf of our country. All right, look, politics will be there. We'll get back to it. I ain't promising when. I'm going to take a little bit of time. Now, let's discuss something because our recipient was part of this group. Have you ever heard of Mac V. Sog? Mac V. Sog. People who know about Vietnam will have heard of this. Most people have not. Here's what you need to know. In Vietnam, the Green Berets, Special Forces, they were one of the first guys over there. Now, what did they do over there in Vietnam? Well, in southern Vietnam, they went there as advisors. They went there trying to teach the South Vietnamese how to fight back. All right. Now, there were many different parts of the Special Forces, the Green Beret mission in Vietnam. But the SOG boys, S-O-G, by the way, it, it stand, in case you're wondering what it stands for, sounds totally benign. I love this. It stands for Studies and Observation Group. Doesn't that sound so nice? It sounds like a college field trip. Hey, guys, we're just going out for some studies and some observation. No, these guys were certifiably insane and awesome. So brave. So here's what they did. Obviously, you can picture North Vietnam and South Vietnam. You know, in South Vietnam, that was our area that we controlled, and there were all these Viet Cong infiltrators. North Vietnam, controlled by the enemy. Okay, you're rolling your eyes, you get it. Okay, North Vietnam, controlled by the enemy. What the SOG boys would do... Okay, pause, pause, sorry. Let's describe what a SOG team is. There are generally two different types of SOG teams, but it's more complicated than that, just stay with me. The first type, they were called... Hatchet Force. I know it sounds really cool, right? Hatchet Force. What did they do? They were more straight up an assassination assault force. So, okay, we have a, a we've located an entire unit. Now we need someone to come in and wipe them out. Send in Hatchet Force. They'll go in. I'm going to focus on the recon portion of SOG. Here's what a recon team generally looked like. Two, three, or four Green Berets, roughly. This differed from mission to mission, but two or three or four Green Berets, special forces, guys. You had to volunteer for this, keep in mind. Okay, it's one thing you're a Green Beret, but even after you're a Green Beret, if you wanted to be part of SOG, you had to volunteer for it because they died so often because the mission was so dangerous. So these three, four, or five Green Berets, they would get together with... Montagnards, they were called, but for short, they're going to be known as yards, okay? Yard. We're just going to call them yards. That's what the Vietnam vets called them, yards. Who were the Montagnards? The Montagnards, by the way, it's the Jesse Kelly show. I swear it's a political show, but not right now. The yards 
were various, there were various indigenous tribes, Indian tribes, think of them Indian tribes, all over Vietnam. The communist scum of Vietnam hated these people because communists, they don't just cede territory, just like here in America. So if a Montagnard controlled or a tribe controlled a territory, that, that would be a no-go for the communists. The Yards were excellent fighters, excellent fighters. These guys had been fighting for a long time. Many of them had fought on the on behalf of the communists and then switched sides. So these guys were tough. A whole group of Yards, call it 10 guys, would join with two, three, or four Green Berets, and that was... A recon team, a SOG recon team. Now, what would a SOG recon team do? Well, here's what they would do. They would insert themselves behind enemy lines to do various things. Now, what kind of things? It totally differed. The recon teams, as the name sounds like, their main job was to stay alive, stay out of contact. They were not trying to contact the enemy. They were behind enemy lines, and they essentially had to sneak around for a day, two days, three days, until they located what they were after. What were they doing? It was all different things. What is in this area? We need you to go observe it for a couple days. Okay, there's a company here. There's a regiment here. There's armor here. They're moving this. There's a fuel depot. There's this or that. Uh, there's a bridge here. We need you to go blow up this bridge. It's behind enemy lines. We tried to do an airstrike on it. We couldn't get it. Blow up this bridge. That kind of stuff. Okay, so you got it. But the most important part to understand for the purpose of our ex very extended Medal of Honor Monday tonight is this. They were always, always in mortal danger. And the guys who did it, I don't want to say they didn't do it for very long because some of these guys would do two, three, four tours. But from from the things I've read and the guys who were in it that I've talked to, and there are still some alive to this day, amazing men, you couldn't do it forever because the mission was so dangerous. Why? Okay, well, let's talk about this because this is going to apply. First of all, I said they have to insert themselves behind enemy lines. Well, that was not a right way to put that, actually. How are you getting behind enemy lines? You know, I know we all like to just imagine the movies of the Navy SEAL team jumping out of a, a, a jet 30,000 feet and halo jumping right into the coffee can target they've set up for themselves. But in real life, that's not necessarily how it works, and that can be extremely inaccurate. How are you getting into North Vietnam behind enemy lines? Helicopters. Helos. Helos of various kinds, but these helicopter crews, pilot, co-pilot, door gunners, they were and are and remain some of the most insanely brave people as part of the special operations group. Because you're in a helicopter, you're not in an armored tank, you not only have to fly over all kinds of anti-aircraft guns. Again, remember, it's a helicopter. It's essentially a soda can that's flying. An AK-47 shooting up at you can easily kill you or members of your crew. RPGs, everything. The North Vietnamese Army, they were a big boy sophisticated army. So they had anti-aircraft guns pointed at the sky. 
you were getting shot at the entire time you were flying into North Vietnam to drop off the SOG team to do what they were doing. And if you weren't getting shot at the entire time, you most definitely were getting shot at as you were trying to insert the team while trying not to let the enemy know you were even inserting a team. So you're dodging anti-aircraft fire. You're having to fly essentially at the treetops. God forbid you have any kind of a mechanical problem or something goes wrong. Then you have to get to a place where it's open enough that you can even drop the team off. While you're dropping them off, did I mention, you have to hope that the enemy hasn't identified that area as a good place to be dropped off. By the way, they oftentimes identify that area as a good place to be dropped off, so they'd be waiting for you there. Green Berets I talked to from that era, they talk about those guys. You know how we all admire Green Berets, especially those Vietnam Green Berets? They talk about the 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 Hilo, the Hilo crews as if those guys are crazy and those guys are brave. He said, those guys are insane. There's something wrong with those guys. Now, don't worry. I'm going to continue on here in a moment. All this is going to tie in. Trust me. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, a political show. Now, before we continue on, let's do something. We obviously have a great deal of admiration for people who fight for this country. We are sorely, sorely lacking in patriotism. We can say thank you in many different ways. I love Pure Talk for a lot of different reasons. One, their company shares my values. Why does their company share our values? Why are they all about veterans and veteran suicide in America? Because their CEO is a veteran who fought for this country. They love this country so much when you call Pure Talk, the customer service agents are actual Americans who speak English. Switch your cell phone service to Pure Talk. Same 5G network. You'll save a pile of money and your money goes where you want it to go. Dial pound 250 and say Jesse Kelly. Time to switch to Pure Talk today. All right? We'll be back. You're listening to the Oracle. You're going to love this one. It's a scream, baby. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Monday. We'll be back to the politics soon. We're doing a special extended version of Medal of Honor Monday here because of, one, a story that's in the news. Two, it's the connection. Well, you're about to see. Anyway, so I was talking about SOG, the Studies and Observation Group in Vietnam, and the Green Berets and the Yards and how and SEALs were involved in a lot of this stuff too, but it's always behind enemy line stuff. And you would land, and you're there. Picture, picture how insane just this situation is. It's you. It's 15 dudes, 14, 15 dudes. You are there, and you know, you know, if you are discovered by a large enough group of troops, you're going to die. Period. End of story. In fact, there are stories of SOG groups, how creepy is this, just disappearing. They dropped them off, and they were just gone forever. And these guys, especially as the war went on and the North Vietnamese got better and better about hunting them down and figuring out what they were doing, these guys were just dying in droves. And that actually takes me to our Medal of Honor citation today. But before I read the citation, I actually want to read a book, a couple pages. 
And here's here was the connection I made. And there's a story out today that I'll get to here in a minute. But I was reading this book about some of the saw guys in Vietnam. Uh, it's called Whispers in the Tall Grass, by the way, if you're interested in it. But but there was this incredible story about a team. And here was the situation. Here's the lead up to what happened to them. These teams, as I just mentioned, as time went on in the war, they were finding the enemy was getting better and better and better at figuring out they were there and finding them with qualified people to wipe them out. These teams were doing so much damage behind enemy lines because they, what they would do is they'd locate, you know, okay, hey, there's a regiment, there's a regiment dug in here. And there's all kind, there's fuel depots here. And what they would do is they call in all these airstrikes and we'd just come in and carpet bomb everything. These small teams were doing so much more damage than their numbers would indicate. And they would, it was driving the North Vietnamese crazy. So they started getting better trained troops and figuring out what to do and coordinating with each other by radio. And okay, these guys are here. Let's close in on them here. And really started figuring out how to box them in and wipe them out. I'm going to read just page or two from this book, and then I'll get to the actual citation itself. But, well, here it is. I might have to skip over a couple words, but here's the setup to it. As I said, they were dying more and more, and a team of Green Berets just got inserted inserted on a hilltop. And... They didn't know that they were inserted in an area where the North Vietnamese Army was waiting for them. They were they were waiting for them in mass. And for the purpose of our Medal of Honor Monday talk, as I read through the story here, all these guys are legends and heroes, right? Every one of these guys could have been given a Medal of Honor. But the name Festus, that was his nickname, he is the guy whose citation we're actually going to read after I read this. But Festus is the guy in the citation. They're all brave, right? They're all equally brave. But here it is from the book. He said they, it starts out by saying they had just stood to. What does that mean? It was early morning and they're, they're getting themselves ready. They had just stood to just as an RPG rocket came out of the fog and hit the bunker that Berg was in, impacting the revetment and collapsing it. Shortly after that, four more impacted around their perimeter. All the rest had missed the bunkers, but the rockets initiated the assault. The team didn't know it, but they had approximately an entire battalion in an inverted B, inverted V, moving up the hill, firing in the assault. Let's pause for a moment. Sorry, this may take me a little bit. I don't care. We're honoring a hero tonight. It's my show. I do what I want. This is a 14, 15 man team. A battalion moving up on them. It means different things in different militaries, but you should know that's a thousand guys. It might be 2000. It might be 1500. It might be 900, but we're talking a tiny 14, 15 man team surrounded by a thousand bad guys sitting on a hilltop about to be ambushed. This is a real story. Yeah, it's a book, but this is a real story. The an entire battalion in an inverted V moving up the hill, firing in the assault. Tony and Festus quickly realized there was little adjustment for the team since they were being attacked on three sides all at once. 
the entire hilltop was kicking as if alive by the number of rounds impacting in and around their position. But they fought back and forced the first assault to wither short of the sandbags. The NVA had fallen back, regrouped, and then quickly reorganized and tried again. And that's where we're going to actually pause. I have a lot more of that I want to read and then the Medal of Honor citation and then a story from yesterday to tie all this together and then we'll get back to all the politics and things. I'm up against the clock. Otherwise, I would keep going. Nevertheless, I am bound by what I'm bound by. Now, before we check out, let's do make sure we do this. Let's make sure we are taking care of our veterans and the ones they leave behind. All right? Yes, we're about to honor some heroes who just gave it all the ultimate sacrifice this weekend, actually. Are we going to care for the people they left behind? I know Tunnel to Towers. I know that's what they do. That is their mission. When dad doesn't come home, mom, kids, and they're not just left twisting in the wind, Tunnel to Towers is there for them. Shoot, they're moving them into an an entire community all their own in Florida if they want. Paying off mortgages for them. They're not just saying, I support our vets. They're doing it. How do they do that? With your money. $11 a month. I know times are tight right now. I I know that. I do. Just if you can. 11 bucks a month. That's That's a trip to Starbucks. 11 bucks a month is all they ask for. Go to T, the number two, T.org. All right? T2T.org. We'll be back. The Jesse Kelly Show. I like it. Returns next. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Remember, if you missed the start of this story or any part of the show, you can download the whole thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify, iTunes. We're doing a very extended Medal of Honor Monday tonight in honor of uh, some recent men who have fallen that I'm going to get to here in just a moment. Happened over the weekend. Also, it's tying into a, a book I'm reading. I'm actually reading the beginnings of this Medal of Honor citation from the book before I get to the citation. It's stealth, whatever. We're in Vietnam. Special forces, forces guys. This is actually SAW guys. So they're behind enemy lines. This is called Recon Team Kansas, in case you're wondering the name of the Recon Team. Recon Team Kansas. And Festus, for the part of our story, he's the guy who earned the Medal of Honor. But, I mean, you could have given it to all of them. But I just want you to listen to what our guys have done for this country. The team is on top of the hill, the NVA. They just tried an assault. They got beaten back, but they're regrouping. More than a 1,000 men coming after these guys. I'll continue. In the first assault, Berg had died, or at least it was presumed so, since his bunker was collapsed and he was in it. The B-40, that's an RPG, by the way, had gone into the aperture and exploded. If he was in there, he was dead, dead, dead. Three of the yards had been wounded and one killed, Festus had been on the horn, and Covey, Covey, you should know, was their air support. Covey was their air support. When, they, when he references Covey, that's air support, was soon over their position. Heavy ground fire was making it impossible for him to direct aircraft that were arriving on station, but they dropped on the road junction where they'd heard the truck stopping and got a secondary. The fog was beginning to lift when the second assault came. Festus told Tony he was going to check on Berg, then tighten the perimeter. Accompanied by one yard, he headed over to the small rise that comprised the, comprised the crest across the perimeter. He found Klaus kneeling with his face in the dirt, shot through two mortal wounds and dead. Oren is dead laying near the mortar pit. All those guys were Green Berets. The area around his body was chewed up from the number of rounds that had impacted since he had died. The mortar was temporarily out of operation, but Willie and two yards were trying to get some rounds in the air. Before Festus could make it to Berg's bunker, he was hit. 
He went down, shot through the body, got back up, and continued moving around, telling the rest of the team to get fighting. Cool, calm, though mortally wounded, he was trying to direct their defense. He never made it back to Tony, but collapsed, dying after being hit again, this time in the head. The yard who had gone with him came back and related all to Tony. In the space of less than 20 minutes, they had sustained the deaths of three Americans in one yard, two more yards seriously wounded. The second assault rolled up the hill with all the intensity that a full NVA battalion can bear. With B-40s and hand grenades, the explosions adding to the mounting roar of 300 automatic weapons. All this directed at a small team's perimeter. We're talking 10 guys by now, by the way, probably less than 10. Still, they held back, beating back the second assault, dropping some of the MVA at the lip of the sandbags, and bludgeoning some with rifles and entrenching tools in and amongst their own positions. The dead and dying NVA littered the slope in front of their operation. Standing, listening, we hear Covey's alarm as the fog begins to lift and reveals hundreds of NVA around the hilltop. He begins to work the air assets on station. There is a short lag after Tony's, he's the last Green Beret alive, by the way, after Tony's strained voice telling them where he thinks they are massing, Covey is relating the information to the bombers on another frequency. We hear him tell the team to get down, and then the loud reverberations of explosions in the background with Tony's muffled voice saying, they're coming up again. This is the last one they can meet as an organized group. The NVA will sweep over them like a tide of wild beasts, of wildebeests. The lucky few of the team that may survive will either die trying to get off the beaten piece of real estate or be taken prisoner. Not likely you will have long in captivity when you punish the NVA like that. The consequence is a short 7.62 millimeter to the head on the spot or getting beaten to death with a rifle butt. Now I need you to pay attention to this part, all right? The gunships arrive, and when they find isn't pre- what they find isn't pretty. In fact, it's the stuff that haunts our nightmares: a recon team in its death throes. The top of the hill was such that the team is all together, crouched in and around the mortar pit. They're unable to raise their heads above the rim. Grenades are being chucked at them, and they're throwing them out, putting weapons over the rim. They spray thirty rounds in a fan hoping to catch and chop off the lead elements. I'll skip right to the last part of this just for time reasons. But you should know Tony was the only one really of the recon team that survived. And when they got back, they were organizing a team to go out and get the dead bodies they had to leave behind because if they could, they would never, ever, ever leave bodies behind He finishes it by saying, Tony has gotten some medical attention, and despite the harrowing hours of battle, uh, forces uh, forces himself on the bright light. The bright light is the rescue team going out to get the guys they left behind. None object. It is his right. It is his team lying out there. And without further ado, let's learn what Festus did that day according to his citation. Honoring those who went above and beyond. It's Medal of Honor Monday. Festus's name was Lauren Douglas Hagen, by the way. First Lieutenant Hagen distinguished himself in action while serving as the team leader of a small reconnaissance team operating deep within enemy-held territory. 
at approximately 0600 hours in the morning of the 7th of August 1971, the small team came under a fierce assault by a superior-sized enemy force using heavy small arms, automatic weapons, mortar, and rocket fire. First Lieutenant Hagen immediately began returning small arms fire upon the attackers and successfully led his team in repelling the first enemy onslaught. He then quickly deployed his men into more strategic defensive locations before the enemy struck again in an attempt to overrun and annihilate the beleaguered team members. First Lieutenant Hagen repeatedly exposed himself to the enemy fire directed at him as he constantly moved about the team's perimeter, directing fire, rallying the members, and resupplying the team with ammunition while courageously returning small arms fire and hand grenade fire in a valorous attempt to repel the advancing enemy force. The courageous actions and expert leadership abilities of First Lieutenant Hagen were a great source of inspiration and instilled confidence in the team members. After observing an enemy rocket make a direct hit on and destroy one of the team's bunkers, First Lieutenant Hagen moved toward the wrecked bunker and searched for a team member despite the fact that the enemy force now controlled the bunker area. With total disregard for his own personal safety, he crawled through the enemy fire while returning small arms fire upon the enemy force. Undaunted by enemy rockets and grenades impacting all around him, First Lieutenant Hagen desperately advanced upon the destroyed bunker until he was fatally wounded by enemy small arms fire and automatic weapons fire. With complete disregard for his personal safety, First Lieutenant Hagen's courageous gallantry, extraordinary heroism, and intrepidity above and beyond the call of duty at the cost of his own life were in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself in the U.S. Army. And right about now, as you're used to, is when we normally play taps, because when we read one of these and they fall... We play taps for them to honor them. And we are going to do that for First Lieutenant Hagen, for Festus, but we're not going to do that quite yet because there's a story over the weekend and there are some others along this same line. They need to be honored as well, and then we'll play taps for all of them, and then we'll get back to the politics, I promise, all right? Um, just understand, when we talk about these things, I... I I read these things and I talk about these things because it's easy to quit, isn't it? It's easy to just say, screw it, nothing matters. Hey, I'm done. Hey, I don't want to keep fighting for this good thing or that good thing. And then I remember that the country that I was given, it was given to me by the previous generation by men who paid for it with their lives. They paid for it in blood. I look at these guys and they inspire me that what am I am I gonna stop caring? Didn't 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 first Lieutenant Hagen doesn't he doesn't he deserve us keep on for us to keep on fighting? I say he does. And along those lines we'll get to honoring couple more fallen, then we'll play taps for them, and we'll get back to this. All right? Hang on. And no veteran is denied the honor they earn because they were discharged for being LBTQ+. Yeah, it is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Monday, and we're going to get back to politics here in just a minute. I'm almost done with this, I promise. Finishing up a 
bit of an extended version of a Medal of Honor Monday, and I wanted to do it for a couple different reasons. One, we got not only the citation, but we had a book story explaining in a bit more detail how it happened, but something else happened over this weekend. There's something called the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment. Don't worry about remembering that. That's just the detail. You might have heard of them from their nickname. They're known as the Night Stalkers. Now, you just heard about that story I just read you in Vietnam about the SOG guys. They're pilots, co-pilots, door gunners, the people, the air crews in the helicopters. They were their everything. They needed these guys to fly through hell to drop them off. And oftentimes... They needed these guys to fly back through hell to save them, to pick them up. Why did why did anyone from that team, from that story I just read, why did anyone live? What why? Why did why did Tony live? Remember Tony was he's the Green Bray who survived and went back. Why did he live? Because guys in Cobra gunships and helos flew into a living hell and provided enough covering fire while taking fire themselves to get him and what was left of his team out. And these helicopter crews died all the time over there, flying in through hell. Now we have this 160th today, the Night Stalkers. Uh, let me see. Uh, have you seen the movie Black Hawk Down? At least you've seen it. The guys who were flying various, not only the Black Hawk, not only the Blackhawks, but the little, uh, uh, the small ones that had the miniguns on, the smaller helos, whatever. All the pilots, the air crew, those would all be night stalkers. The amount of training these guys have to go through to become part of the night stalkers is absurd. You don't just show up one day, I'd like to be a night stalker. No, you have to be the best. Absurdly good. Absurdly brave. And I, yeah, I read you a story from Vietnam. But today, our guys who are the tip of the spear guys, they live or die based on the Night Stalkers. And, you know, uh, Black Hawk Down, I already mentioned that. What about uh, the hunt for Bin Laden? Who do you think was flying those helos? Night Stalkers. In fact, I could go through mission after mission after mission, Delta Force SEALs, it doesn't matter. The guys inserting and being extracted are being inserted and extracted almost always by the Night Stalkers. And once the SEALs, once the Green Brace, once whoever, once they go in and they need help, the Night Stalkers, unlike every other pilot on the planet, they can't say, sorry, the weather's bad. Oh, there's too much of this. They're coming to get you. And they die lots of times in the process. Over the weekend, there was a training accident over the Mediterranean. A Black Hawk went down with five Night Stalkers on board, and they all died. Every single one of these men, every single one of them, and I'm about to read their names because the DOD released their names, they all are heroes in the same way those Green Berets dying on that hilltop in Vietnam are heroes, and they died so others may live. This is how hard training lessons are learned, and here are their names. Chief Warrant Officer Stephen Dwyer of Tennessee Chief Warrant Officer Shane Barnes, California. Staff Sergeant Tanner Grone, New Hampshire. Sergeant Andrew Southard, Arizona. Sergeant Cade Wolf, Minnesota. 
And the reason I didn't play taps for First Lieutenant Hagen in Vietnam was I thought these men deserved it and, in fact, we're just going to play it once for everyone involved. But take a moment. We'll get back to politics when, when the music stops. Honor the Fallen. Rest in peace, brothers. All right. Now, there are two huge things I want to tackle. One thing I'm going to... Well, two huge things I'm going to tackle and one I want to tackle, plus some emails still left on the show. All right. People are making a lot over the fact that San Francisco started cleaning up its streets in preparation for Xi Jinping. San Francisco has been notorious, especially in recent years, for being disgusting. How disgusting? Well, I haven't visited. I've been told by my friends who live there that you have to step over poop just walking down the sidewalk. I don't mean once in a while. That's the norm. Actually, my buddy was complaining to me. I yelled at him about this because he said, it sucks. You can't even be on your phone when you walk around. And I yelled at him and I said, yeah, you should never be on your phone while you walk around. But he was explaining to me, you can't be on your phone while you walk around because there's so much human poop to step over and heroin needles. Yeah, Chris, Chris let me know. He reminded me there's an app. There's actually an app that will track the human poop in San Francisco. That's how disgusting this progressive city has become. Homeless, crime. How bad's the crime? People have, people will leave their cars unlocked and put signs in the window saying, I've left my car unlocked. Please don't break my window. I have nothing valuable in here. You can see for yourself. That's how common break-ins are in San Francisco. So that was the state of San Francisco like yesterday. Today, man, those streets are all cleaned up. But why? What's the overall reason why? Yeah, the Xi Jinping is visiting. We know that. But why? We'll talk about the why in a moment. Before we get to the why, let's get to this. Let's get to something much more important than San Francisco. Let's get to how dirty you probably feel right now, now that we just talked about all that human poop. It's gross, isn't it? It's disgusting. I don't know about you. I need a shower. And I'll probably take a shower when I get home. Now, I don't know that you should take a shower when you get home because you probably haven't bought your my towels yet from my pillow. So what's the point of showering if you're just going to shower and then dry off with garbage towels? All that does is make you feel worse. Then you're aggravated. The towels are rough. It's no fun at all. Or you could just improve your towel situation. Go get some my towels from my pillow. 50% in savings right now, as low as $29.99, both soft and they actually dry you off. 
MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square. Use the promo code JESSE or call them. 800-845-0544. The best towels you'll ever, you'll ever have in your life. We have a whole hour left. You ready? Hang on. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.